So, JB, uh, normally we try to start with a funny uh, open, but we wanted to address an issue uh, that came up right before we started our host chat uh, recording. Uh, this is on Tuesday uh, afternoon. We held off a little bit because we had some open questions. Um, regional rankings got released today, and the final ones from Sunday afternoon, Saturday night, whenever they finished them, uh, the NCAA committee. And uh, there were some interesting things that popped up in the East, specifically Union didn't move up. Union stayed at number four. And so it went basically Salisbury, Wesley, DelVal, Union. That said, Union is hosting a game against Case Western Reserve, and DelVal is traveling to Bridgewater in a three versus three matchup, essentially. We've sort of tried to reach out to find out exactly how this happened. We're still really not sure. Uh, and it's not going to change at this point. The bracket's the bracket at this point in time. Uh, we do know that Bridgewater and Union are 498 miles apart, and the rule is 500 miles uh, that you would have to do a flight. And so uh, we reconfirmed that uh, through some NCAA connections that we have, that in fact, 498 is the number. Whether or not the mapping software that was being used on Sunday or Saturday night uh, confirmed that fact is uh, something still up in the air. I guess DelVal, uh, from my understanding, is hearing some or uh, maybe complaining about uh, this, their fans, not the school itself, uh, thinking that this was some knock on their hosting ability or their facilities or something along those lines. Uh, and those are uh, rumors that are unfounded. Uh, the folks that from the committee, uh, from what yeah. I understand, didn't get into that uh, level of you know minutia of things. It, it sounds like there was a distance issue somewhere, and it played a it's role. More than a distance issue. <laughs> there's some there's some calculation errors going on, Frank, and some perception errors. I think because there's really no reason that the only ten and O team in the East Region from the best conference in the East Region gets stuck in the four spot after running the table. Um, I mean. It really feels like they're, even though they, they beat Ithaca, they beat Hobart, they beat everyone on their schedule, the fact that they they played Anna Maria and um, Westfield, Westfield State is, yep. is being used against them. Um, however, their SOS was still north of 500, pretty much like a lot of the other top-seeded teams in, in the uh, – in the bracket and you know honestly just from an eye test perspective frank i just and i mean this with all you know due respect because i know we have a, a strong following from from the wesley fans but they just don't didn't look like the second best team in the east region uh, this year to me i mean sure they played salisbury tough but if you're looking at it from an objective set of criteria including ranks uh wins over regionally ranked opponents and you know i just didn't think that they were the second best um that's just my opinion you know, uh, you can have at me on Twitter if you like, but, you know, I think Union and the Liberty League got uh, a little bit dissed, let down, pushed down. Um, I mean, they still got three teams in the final top 10, I guess, with you know Ithaca popping back up there along with Hobart. But there's something fishy there, Frank. I just don't get it. You know, credit Wesley with scheduling DelVal. Credit Wesley with uh, scheduling Endicott, a team that ends up outperforming what people would have assumed probably when that scheduling occurred. But, yeah. you know, Union did play and beat RPI, which is a team that beat Ithaca. They beat Ithaca themselves, and Hobart. 
And some people out there might say, and I know one person in particular that says this to me frequently, well, they don't choose to schedule them. Well, guess what? Wesley doesn't choose to schedule Salisbury, and we're crediting, crediting them with a big loss against number one in the East. Remember, Union ends at 2-0 and versus teams that are regionally ranked. And Wesley finishes 2-1, and if my calculation is correct. And so... It's really, when you get down to it, the loss matters and should matter in this whole equation. And I agree with you. Union should have been number two. In fact, you could go further and suggest they should be number one. But Oshkosh kind of undid any possibility or perception like that by winning against Whitewater. A team, uh, well, Oshkosh is the team that Salisbury beat earlier in the season. So they really buoyed them to that number one seed. So. That's- yeah, I can I can justify that. I can't justify like you, Union being below Wesley and DelVal in the end. And I got a bad feeling when they didn't start moving Union up in anticipation for their strength of schedule improvements that we all knew were going to be happening. But it is what it is. The irony here is that Union hosts as the number four team in the East. DelVal doesn't as the number three team in the East. And... There may have been a mileage miscalculation that may have factored into that, but in the end, to me, justice is served because Union should have been above them in the first place anyway, according to uh, what the numbers should have read. So you know what? A double mistake ends up canceling out, and I think the correct lineup was actually put together there, believe it or not, and I'll get some complaints too. We got a lot more where where that came from on this show. It's host chat time for week 11. On in the huddle. Okay, so we have a lot of games to go through, 28 games, I believe it was, uh, last weekend uh, that we do want to get through, and a lot of team seasons, talk about the bowl games that they're going to, had a great ECAC show, uh, obviously, on Monday, thanks so much for watching, to the degree you folks did, our average time of viewership, yeah, three plus thousand now, uh, as we record this, Uh, well over 10, uh, probably more like 12,000 minutes of viewing, but it was like seven and a half minutes per view right after we uh, went off live. Uh, and that is unheard of retention level. So we really do appreciate how you stuck in there with us during that. We did want to wait, allow people to join us late. We did want to give you a little bit of content during the show. And the ECAC gave us a lot of good feedback that uh, they enjoyed what we did. And so we appreciate them as well for giving us that opportunity. If you haven't seen it yet, go back. It's right underneath this show on the Facebook lineup on our page. JB, uh, let's talk about the undercard or uh, your perceptions of the undercard per se. We had a couple games that we were watching for all these playoff implications, but some teams, you know, flat out balled out there and uh, a lot of last minute heroics going on in some of these games. Uh, So week 11 was all that, not just in a playoff and bowl sense. Yeah, I mean... uh... The fun part about week 11 is that there's always um, and, and schedules have evolved and changed. And, and this season was a little different because the, the year sort of started off a week later. So 
Uh, things got moved around with conferences shrinking, certain things got switched around, but there were still some of these um, traditional classic uh, rivalry games, you know, like the Secretary's Cup between um, the Merchant Marine and the Coast Guard, uh, like the, the Cranberry Bowl um, between Bridgewater State and uh, Mass Maritime down there in Buzzards Bay, uh, like the Keystone Cup uh, between Widener and Del Val, which was a very close uh, call <laughs> for the Aggies. Um, I don't know if that necessarily affected their, their uh, receiving situation. It obviously didn't in some respects because they, they managed to win at the end, but um, you know, some fairly entertaining uh, games. This didn't necessarily have a playoff impact, but you know, ones that had bragging rights on the line. Um, you know, obviously Cortica was 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 a big deal, um, and so uh, you know, going into the playoffs, we're now you know down to what I think 15, um, uh, 15 games involving East Region teams at this point, including the play, the NCAA's. The ECACs, the Max Centennial Bowls, and the uh, New York Bowl, and the New England Bowls. There's two. Oh, of hold those. on, hold so, on. Let, let's check this math. You got six games involving East Region teams in the playoffs. Uh, then yeah. we have four ECAC bowls. That's ten. But wait, one of those bowl games, Frank, is Brevard versus. Good point. Mellon, two Thirteen. South, two South Region teams. So. Or, are, excuse me, not ten, ten. Nine. Yep. I'm starting to feel like we're going to have to. I don't really want to add two more slides, but it's almost feeling like you know the PAC and the CC are becoming sort of honorary East Region (laughs) squads uh, to a certain extent. So I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe season thirteen, lucky season thirteen, will will try to loop them in to a certain extent. But yeah, so there's nine at at this point. So you can keep counting. Uh, New York Bowl ten, two New England Bowls is twelve, and the three uh, Centennial MAC games is. 15. Your math is on point, my friend. You have got it. And so I'm going to leave you be for a little bit. I'm going to do a lot of the talking out of respect for that because it is time for crunch time for end of regular season week number 11. Let's start in the CCC, not to be confused with the CC that you just talked about. And we'll start with, yeah, the Golden Bears. Now we're going to start, actually, we'll get to them in a minute, uh, with uh, actually Endicott at Nichols. And uh, talk about the fact that it took a little while. Yeah, Endicott was not able to shake off uh, Nichols very easily in this game. Not It was 13-7. to It's 7.58 left in the fourth quarter. It was uh, Anthony Bracamonte with a nine-yard run. And uh, that was, again, 7.58 in the fourth. Then just a play from scrimmage later, Michael Lefebvre, uh, I think it is his uh, name, with the interception here that you'll see. And one play later, Joe Koloski to Will Genoway for a 12-yard touchdown and to make it 28-7. to The final was 35-7, to but like I said, it took some time to pull away by Endicott. University of New England is going to be uh, finishing at four and six for a second year program. Congratulations to them. That's awesome. And they Solid beat Becker 
24 to 20. It was sealed really with a, a late pass deflection on fourth and nine that you're seeing here. And then at 129 left in the fourth, two plays later, Jack Mahoney with a 28-yard touchdown run made it 24 to 14. Mahoney rushes right side. He's got a lot of room to work with. He's now out to the 10, cuts it out to the far side. He'll be in for the touchdown. Jack Mahoney puts six on the board for Uni. That was it. Uh, late touchdown with zero on the clock by Becker made it 24 to 20, University of New England. We also have, uh, at least score-wise here, Salve Regina 34, Curry 13, and that's three forced turnovers by Salve Regina. Uh, Joey Moriello uh, kept out of this game. We'll talk about that in one second uh, as he was uh, nursing an injury. Tyler McGovern 218 passing yards though for Salve Regina with the touchdown. In Western New England 45, Husson 14. They outgained Husson 542 to 295. Al Coleman with one passing, one receiving, and two rushing touchdowns. Apparently, they see FDU Florham doing those receiving touchdowns to quarterbacks, and uh, <laughs> they got to try it too over there. Uh, but uh, Joey Moriello, I, I, you got a little bit of information there, I think, about him. Yeah, he got a little dinged up in, in the Husson game, and maybe that's why they, they weren't able to close that one out with a win. But um, he's about 150 yards away from breaking the school record, uh, but with, you know, basically uh, just a chance to finish uh, four and six, which they did. And, uh, you know, they the, uh, Coach Gil Martin just opted to keep him on the sideline, let him get uh, healthy over the offseason. So one of the things we'll have to keep an eye on in week one of uh, 2020, Frank, is, uh, you know, when uh, – Moriello breaks that uh, Seahawks rushing record because it sounds like it's, it's not going to be too hard for him to get 150 yards in a game from how they run their offense. Uh, get better there, Joey, and uh, we look forward to having you on the show in 2020 at the very least. Uh, let's talk about the ECFC. Uh, only one game to talk about, and it's a surprise. SUNY Maritime beats Mount St. Joseph 11-9 in one of the ugliest box scores you will ever see, as I keep saying to folks. Let's look at the deciding factor. I mean, you had in this game a two-point conversion return for uh, defensive two points. Uh, we had a 9-9 score midway through the fourth quarter, and I believe it was Wayne uh, Benton Court with the safety here. It took a, a second or two for them to finally declare it was a safety, but indeed it was. That was it. 11-9, SUNY Maritime shocks Mount St. Joseph and closes out at 5-5 five five before the playoffs and gets Salisbury instead of Mount Union, uh, as we uh, noted with uh, the uh, Jim Cat and Zero show on Sunday. Yeah, uh, The game was uh, tied at the half, 9-9, as we said. And, uh, you know, this is probably better for the whole image of what has happened here, but it's definitely not going to solve the entire problem of, wow, why is a 5-5 five and five team in the playoffs? Talk more about that a little bit later, though. Let's, let's go to our uh, next conference, which is in the MASCAC. And we'll start with Bridgewater State. Uh, this game was scoreless after the first half, and 7-6 in the third quarter. Finally, it was Mass Maritime pouring it on, but wait a minute, it was 21-6 with 11.43 left in the fourth quarter. So let's see this pass from Stefano D'Amelia to TJ Hairston. This 10-yard TD pass with 22 seconds left made it 26-21. Bridgewater State comes back in the game and wins it. Cranberries all around. Is that uh, what we uh, had to offer there at that point? Yeah, cranberries, and I would put something else in, in that drink, but that's just me. <laughs> well said, my friend. Uh, that was, again, with 22 seconds left, big win by uh, Bridgewater State, who closes the season at 6-4. and four. 
then we have a highlighter two here. Actually, uh, just one, but it's a, a direct snap to Devin Smith of Western Connecticut. Uh, the one-yard touchdown with 10.36 left in the fourth quarter was his third touchdown of the game. Here's the play. And now it's going to be Smith, Wildcat, and <laughs> touchdown! Hello, end zone, touchdown, Colonials! Indeed, three touchdowns, uh, and really uh, the last two were Devin Smith to make it 26-23 to as Western Connecticut trailed by 10 points late in this game until that. Also, Framingham Coach State. Coach Potter started coaching for uh, West, West Con there. It looks, <laughs> that looks a lot of like the Jalea Code Wildcat play there. But hey, credit to West Con, and, and they're going to be uh, going up against WPI in the New England Bowl. The Jalea Cat, uh, but it's uh, in this case the Devon Cat. <laughs> Framingham State uh, with the 47-6 win over uh, Worcester State uh, gained them by 300 yards. Did Framingham State on their way uh, to Wesley coming up soon. And Mass Dartmouth 19, Westfield State 13. Third different starting quarterback that accounted by uh, Mass Dartmouth in this game uh, this season. As Jacob, Jacob uh, Francis with 226 total yards, a passing and rushing touchdown. And he, uh, Mr. Slaughter, I, I, I feel like we've said his name before with those 11 tackles. Uh, two and a half for loss. In the game. But uh, <laughs> yeah. the Mascac, you know what? Bridgewater State finishes strong. What's their senior situation there? Uh, they're going to be graduating a lot. This A lot of folks, myself included, um, we'll talk about hits and misses later. I thought this team had the potential to go 9-1, and one, maybe even 10-0 and 0 with, with the amount of players they're bringing back. They will definitely be hit by graduation, but given the way their season went, maybe there were some injuries, maybe some uh, red shirts. And then there's also guys getting experience and, and kind of you know working their way into the starting lineup also. So maybe not the season that the Bears thought they were going to have, but still they finished it up with a trophy uh, game win. And, um, you know, they're, they're uh, see what has in store for the Bears in 2020. New Mac time. Uh, we're going to show the score, uh, the first score here, uh, but we're going to have no video to go with it. Um, and uh, we'll pull out from it in a second uh, that you can explain kind of what happened here. MIT 43, Springfield 40. Uh, it took a Mark Wright uh, game-winning field goal, 36 yards, to win it with 33 seconds uh, left. Uh, but it was uh, Springfield leading this game by seven points until late. Uh, MIT got 10 on answer to win in this game. Chad Shade with three passing touchdowns. Uh, but JB... Um, what happened here? Because a lot of people saw Springfield win this game 44-43 on D3Football.com, among other places. Give uh, folks uh, about 30 seconds of how this played out. We have no video because they, they had a video breakdown occur as well. But this was probably more influential. For oh, yeah, us. I was I, I was watching this game pretty closely on Saturday just because of the implications that it had with, uh, with MIT potentially winning. And it looked like near the end uh, of the game, uh, Springfield was pulling away and I saw the at one point I thought it was 44 to 33 and then I see somewhere else it's 40 to 33. I got a text message um, from Brian McGough in the SID indicating that there was a, uh, a scoring problem with the um, the software that they used. They couldn't, um, the software couldn't uh, accept or wouldn't accept a safety that was scored uh, by the defense and so therefore that's, you know, it had six. It was really a two. That's your four-point differential, and that's what created confusion. And I, you know, I also, um, you know, knowing some folks on the WPI side of things, 
you know, they they thought they won the new MAC championship with their big um, you know win over Norwich and the fact that Springfield supposedly won the game 44 to 43, and so they went through the roller coaster ride of you know this 35 senior class thinking, oh my gosh, we just made the playoffs for the first time in program history. To oh wait, they look, you know we're. We're not going. Yeah. I mean, it was it, it's it had to have been the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Um, I, you know, I, I texted with Coach uh, Robertson a little bit saying, hey, you know, still had a great season. You have an opportunity probably to, to host a, a bowl game, which they which we know they do and um, still finish with with 10 wins, um, which I think would be a, a program first. But boy, um, there's tons of technical difficulties. Frank, I saw the cam- one of the cameras on one of the touchdown runs by Springfield get knocked over <laughs> by a player. Um, the field goal play, though, it's a shame we don't have this video because I swear, Frank, the ball was tipped at the at the line of scrimmage. And I mean, if if this was the bar, I mean, it literally was like this going over. I mean, it, wow. it was so close to not making it because it was blo- partially blocked at the line of scrimmage, and it just barely. He literally just kind of just snuck over. So MIT by the thinnest of margins, heartbreaker for the WPI engineers, but the Cambridge engineers, back-to-back New Mac champs, and you got to give them credit for coming back and, and hanging in in that game. Indeed, MIT wins because uh, they controlled their own destiny. Let's talk about the WPI, though, as uh, we have two clips here. First, Sean McAllen, a 53-yard touchdown, made it 21-7 with 440 left in the first quarter. So that was a score fest going on in the first half against Norwich. And then later on, uh, 11-16 left in the second quarter, Nick Rossi takes his pass from Julian Nyland, a 30-yard touchdown to make it 35-7. to The final was 70-28. to in favor of WPI. Field and McAllen combined for six touchdowns, 239 rushing yards on the day. Secretary's Cup comes in third on our list here, despite how fun of a game this was. They made it 35-28 with the Samaso Jamie touchdown from Ryan Jones, a nine-yard touchdown pass with 5-11 left in the third quarter. Again, 35-28 at that point, but the ensuing kickoff, look at Joe Vitelli go. 91-yard kickoff return, 42-28 is what he made the score there. There was no looking back for Merchant Marine Academy at that point. 56-41, Christian Abbott with nearly 300 total yards in the day, a rushing and a passing touchdown. The Secretary's Cup goes to Kings Point. Unfortunately, Bill George goes out without a win in his final game, but what a career. Coach, hold your head up high as I know you are. In Catholic, it's their second win of the season. Unfortunately, Maine Maritime stays winless. 28 to 13, Brady Berger, 22 for 33, 245, and four touchdowns, one per quarter, as you say here. Uh, in Catholic's defense, with four interceptions, four sacks, and six total tackles for loss. The New Mac had a lot of action there, obviously. Let's roll on, though, to the Empire 8, as uh, we'll have a shocking score here. Morrisville State yeah. beating then number 22 Brockport 24-21. They were down 21 to seven Morrisville State, uh, but they they really rallied to come back. Took the 24-21 lead with a minute 51 left in the third quarter, but still Brockport had a chance. And here you go, big play here with a minute 57 left in the fourth quarter. The handoff left side to Code, and Code is bouncing it outside. He's taken down, and the ball comes out, and Morrisville says they've got it waiting for an official call, and they do! And the Mustangs have got the football! Oh, 57, 157. 
Oh my goodness. Jale Code. He was at the 30-yard line of Morrisville, but DeAndre Wells forces the fumble and recovers it to end the game. 24-21 is the final. Another uh, close game. Uh, let's look at St. John Fisher. Alfred 31-28 in favor of St. John Fisher, but it took a uh, fourth quarter, 7:25 uh, left. Jonathan led a fumble recovery for touchdown after his teammate fumbled the ball right near the goal line. It looked like it was going to go the other way, but Alfred couldn't land on it. Let it instead jumps on it in the goal area for the touchdown. That tied it 28-28 after the two-point conversion. And Joe Dotterweish with the 28-yard field goal with 30 seconds left wins it for St. John Fisher. 31-28. And, you know, they're celebrating here. Don't kill the kicker. Guys, stop jumping around the kicker. You can't <laughs> hurt him. Game wasn't over yet. 31-28 final there. Utica 58, Hartwick 14 as the uh, Hartwick Hawks are held to 29 rushing yards in the minus, uh, folks. So after doing well against Cortland, they couldn't run to save their lives. Eight sacks by Utica, five forced turnovers as well. Uh, the Empire 8, quite uh, an interesting weekend. That Morrisville State game had repercussions for Brockport seeding and for Morrisville State getting selected to the ECACs. Did it, did it not? Yeah, I mean, basically, that was the big quality win that separated them from Alfred and St. John Fisher and Utica, who all were hoping to, to get into the ECACs. But ultimately, uh, Morrisville, with that uh, you know, fumble recovery at the end, hangs on to a three-point win. And, and they're sitting all alone in third place in the Empire 8. And so, yeah, I think the, I think the committee picked the right team. Um, and they, will, uh, they get to host uh, the Westminster Titans on Saturday. Liberty League, let's go to the Dutchman Shoes game. Union, 33 RPIs here. I haven't seen a drubbing like that in this game in a while that I can remember. Let's look at first one of three IK Erebor touchdowns. This one, 61 yards with 1128 left in the first half. Made it 20 to nothing that early on. And this is the one that just put it all away. It's the Louisiana connection. 849 left in the third quarter. They went frogging 44 yards for the touchdown. It's Sermon from Bellamy, 33 to zero. Your final score as Union retains the Dutchman's shoes in their first undefeated regular season since 2005. Let's also talk about Cortland Ithaca. It was Cortica. Let's look at the final touchdown by Ithaca since Cortland came back in this game, had a chance. They were down one possession. Joe Germanario yep. to Vito, 46 yards with 3.06 left. It made it 32-20. That's the final as uh, Cortland... Cortica, I should say, sets the attendance record 45,161. St. Lawrence, 31. Buffalo State, 26. It's SLU's best season since 2016 as Tyler Groshot with the game-winning touchdown run with 105 remaining. And Hobart retains the Centennial Cup for the umpteenth year, 51-20 over <laughs> Rochester. Ninth consecutive time to be exact. Ryan Hoffman, 234 passing yards, one touchdown. Uh, surprised by Dutchman Shoes? The margin of victory, yes. Uh, not surprised that Union won, and there might be a reason why a sophomore running back is now the Liberty League Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, I know Joe Germanario was my pick in the preseason. He was a first-team all-conference selection at quarterback. Um, you know, five touchdowns in the Cortica game. Uh, what a way to go out, although technically one more game left at Butterfield uh, as, they, as they host uh, W&J in the ECAC Bowl game. Uh, but yeah, I mean, 
It was interesting to see, uh, you know, some little lopsided scores, but um, you know, unions. I think they got that uh, that game, that tra trap game, out of their system against Utica the week before. They came into this one locked and loaded and executed their game plan and won going away. Haven't seen a, a win like that in a while. Let's go to the MAC, and we have a couple uh, clip uh, games here. Albright with the uh, second win of the season for them. They win 28 to 23. Uh, this uh, made it 28 to 16 with 5:41 left in the fourth quarter. Zach Miller from Jimmy LaFay, the 63-yard touchdown here made it uh, that margin, and they held on to win 28-23. Congratulations, Albright, for two straight wins there now to end your season. Something to build on in the off season. Look at what happened in the Wilkes Kings game. Uh, Kings was within 15 yards of going ahead of Wilkes late in the game. You know, just, you know, less than a minute, 30 seconds left. And they get to the 15-yard line and a pick six. Cole Jesner, excuse me, Cole Jesmer. Let's get his name right, Frank. Here's the call. They're going to go to Moore. Moore is going to drop back. He's looking for a pass at the middle. Oh, no. Oh, 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 Lord. Taking it down the field. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, he's got daylight. He's got, he's got a block. He's got daylight. He's, he's oh. Touchdown. 85 yards. That call reminds me of the whole Texas high school call there with the dear lords and everything else that got thrown in. Unfortunately for Kings, it was reality. 24 to 14. The flag that was thrown was for unsportsmanlike conduct after the play. Uh, Wilkes wins it 24 to 14. The Mayor's Cup back to Wilkes there. Del Val, we have no video from this game. They had their own issues uh, that day. Number 11 team of the nation wins against Widener 28 to 21. But uh, congratulations to James Gillespie as uh, being named the Offensive Player of the Year in the MAC from Widener. And when your team goes five and five and you're named OPOI like that, that tells you something about your performance that year. It was tied at 14-14 at the half. Anthony Fontana, though, with 231 yards and three touchdowns on the day. Stevenson, 31. Lycoming, 0. They scored the 24-second uh, half points after it was a 7-0 game at halftime. Stevenson did. Isaac Boyd with a 10-yard scooping score in that game. And Misericordia, 49. Alvernia, 28. Brady Williams with a 15-for-19 day, 324 passing yards, 82 rushing yards, two passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown. He's the magician, I told you, and he came back to finally get that magic for a 5-4 and four season by Misericordia. The MAC is that. Let's go to the NJAC. We'll finish up here real quick. As uh, First, we have Montclair State. We talk about their offense a lot, but let's look at their defense and their special teams in this game. First, 10-09 left in the third quarter with 17-6 until this punt block by Jair Garrett, uh, getting uh, or scooping at least for the touchdown for 26 yards. And a 24-6 lead against Kane. Then Brennan Ray with this 29-yard pick six with 12.55 left in regulation made it uh, basically a runaway game for Montclair. 40-12 final, Montclair State in that one. How about Rowan? Again rallying, this time from a 17-point deficit. It's Mike Husney with the 15-yard touchdown pass to Maldonado. Let's hear how it happened. Husney takes a snap, rolls to his left, goes end zone, has Maldonado! He came down with it! John Maldonado has caught a touchdown pass, and the Profs take the lead with less than 30 seconds left in the fourth quarter. 28 seconds left there. 
2420, Rowan beats TCNJ. Also, Salisbury 42, William Patterson 13, battle of uh, basically, uh, you know, the the wise old coach, uh, ball coach versus his uh, student there. Uh, we talked about early in the season, and it was Salisbury scoring on five of the six first half possessions, outgaining William Patterson 499 to 165. Uh, Salisbury became one seed ultimately with all the things falling out on Saturday. And Wesley 42, there's Christopher Newport 7, a pool seed team was Wesley in the end. Uh, they outgained CNU 548 to 128. Drew Fry from Wesley with 192 passing yards and two touchdowns. That's a freshman quarterback. They've gone through now three starting quarterbacks this season, and that is crunch time for week 11. JB, uh, I didn't let you talk about the last two conferences there. We are a little rushed for time here, but uh, while we go into your stat chat, but hold on. JB's stat chat, he's gonna chat about stats. Yeah. Okay, well, while we go to your stat chat here, uh, let's uh, have you talk about anything from the Mac and the NJAC that you want to while you do talk about the teams. Well, I mean, uh, you know, Stevenson uh, shut out Lyco. Uh, a strong defensive performance for them, and, and they're headed to um, a, a maxi C Bowl. They're going to be hosting Johns Hopkins um, on Saturday, so definitely a strong finish for them. Uh, you know, as far as the NJAC uh, goes, I mean, interestingly enough, the you know talking about technical difficulties, the Salisbury game had uh, no stats available, so kind of assumed that they were going to win that one, mm -hmm. um, but you had to wait a while until you saw the, the final. Um, otherwise, yeah, I mean, really the standout game was was Rowan, TC, and Jay. I know it's been a tough season for the profs, but the way that they've um, they played uh, throughout the season um, shows they're, they're, they'll, they'll be on the rise. They still finished above 500 in, in the conference, which says a lot, I think. And then Montclair State winning five of their last six games uh, certainly hit their stride in the second half of the season. So it's interesting to see how far, you know, Salisbury and Wesley can go. Um, but, you know, hey, we'll, uh, we'll have more on the playoff teams uh, coming up pretty soon. And uh, your stack chat slide to the degree you want to cover? Well, I mean, you know, some of the, the high scores, you know, stood out. We already you know, mentioned, you know, Joe Germanario's uh, big Cortica game. And um, really the other quarterback that sort of stood out to me this weekend was Brady Williams uh, with over 400 yards of total offense from Misericordia, who will also – The magician. Uh, yeah, they'll be hosting uh, the Franklin and Marshall Diplomats, aka the Dips, uh, in in a bowl game this weekend. So good for them. Um, you know, five and four to, to get into a bowl series is is kind of a, you know cutting it close, but they they got it done, and so they were ended up being I guess like the third seed, uh, along with uh, along with with F and M there. Um, defense wise, I mean Union st stood out. Um, Obviously, with the shutout in the in the big rivalry game, already talked about Stevenson, uh, Mass Maritimes, Jack Fontana, and Westfield State's Joseph Mazada each had 15 tackles each. That that seemed to be about as high a number as I could find looking at the box scores in the games this weekend. Uh, Framingham State, five sacks, 15 tackles for loss. Frank, I think you're going to be talking to Coach Kelly and some folks in uh, in Framingham uh, tomorrow. Um, so you know. The defense might be a thing to look into, uh, but honestly, I feel like in that game against Wesley, it'll ultimately come down to Wojenski and how he performs against that tough Wolverine defense, which uh, tends to you know, intercept a lot of quarterbacks. So 
Um, we mentioned Tony Slaughter um, in the recap. He was a guest on the show earlier this season, finished up his career with a big 11 tackle, one and a half sack, two and a half tackle for lost game. Uh, Justin Harris from DelVal with a 59 yard pick six. We talked about the Cole Jesmer um, pick six, as well as uh, Betancourt's game saving safety for SUNY Maritime, sending them to the playoffs at five and five. Um, special teamers, there's almost too many uh, to, to list on here. The ones that jumped out probably were. You know, Kyle Hackett from Hobart with 14 points. Uh, Endicott's uh, DeCaterino had another uh, solid day. De- hold on, hold on. We get we got his name right. Yeah, DeCarano. DeCarano. Okay, so I keep screwing that up along with that's okay. You- better, better luck next season, Baker. Um, <laughs> Rayshon Barber from Hobart, a 98-yard kickoff return for touchdown, set a record for the Statesman. Um, Mass Dartmouth's punter, Jeremy Jackson. I don't know if I've ever mentioned a punter before, but he had uh, about a 43-yard-per-punt average. He had a long of 70 with one touchback and three dropped inside the 20. A pretty impressive day for him. And then Mark Wright from MIT, like I said, just barely got uh, the kick over. He had nine points but had that game-winning slash conference championship-winning field goal. I know um, Fisher's field goal uh, kicker had a game winner as well, but this one won a playoff spot, so bumped it up a little bit. And then Montclair State's you know, block punt, pick six, PAT return for two. Um, I know pick six is defense, so lumping that in together, but Red Hawks kept pounding and uh, finished off the season with a win. There were two or three of those uh, returns, uh, 98-yard returns essentially uh, for two on uh, yeah. the afternoons of uh, Saturday's games, or the afternoon of Saturday's uh, games, I should say. Uh, JB, let's quickly run through the remaining schedule now for this week. We're going to have a playoff preview Thursday. I'm going out and uh, getting some interviews uh, from schools like Union, Western New England, uh, Framingham State, and MIT are on the schedule right now uh, for me to go grab some interviews live and in person with those folks. So uh, you'll be wanting to see that uh, on Thursday. We'll uh, have some tales of the tape that you enjoy and look at the bracket and how it all falls uh, in there. So we'll cover four out of the six games with interviews, but all six of them uh, we will talk about. CCC-wise, the games that are left, Brockport at uh, at Western New England in the NCAAs at noon, Dean at Endicott at noon. Uh, you know, four and five, Dean does qualify for the simple reason their conference record is four and one, and so uh, they get to play Endicott uh, in the New England Bowl. It's one of two New England Bowls. We'll talk about the other one in a moment. Let's also now look at the ECFC in SUNY Maritime at Salisbury at noon on Saturday. Talked about that Dean Endicott game already, obviously. To the MASCAC, Framingham State at Wesley. This could be a closer game than many think, and we'll talk more about that Thursday. And in the other New England Bolts, Western Connecticut at WPI, very intriguing matchup of two teams that have very good offenses right now. And uh, But WPI's defense might be the difference maker. We'll see how it goes. And then we go over to the new MAC, MIT at Muhlenberg in the NCAA playoffs. Uh, it's the Bubna versus Milne game. Uh, they were teammates, I believe. And I think D3Football.com is going to cover this, actually, in a uh, feature this week. Uh, so stay tuned for that. And again, Western Connecticut at WPI at 1 o'clock is the uh, New England Bowl. Let's go to New York now. It's Brockport at Western New England on Saturday uh, in the playoff game. And obviously, Hobart is going to be at Cortland uh, in terms of the uh, 1 o'clock. 1 o'clock, uh, correct, for the New York Bowl. 
in the Liberty League. We just mentioned the New York Bowl, obviously, but a couple other things to talk about here. First, Case Western Reserve at Union in the playoffs at noontime in Schenectady and Washington and Jefferson College at Ithaca, not University. Oops, sorry, guys. <laughs> we upgraded you for a day there in the Asa S. Bushnell Bowl in the ECACs and obviously Hobart at Cortland in the New York Bowl. Continuing in the back, it is Franklin and Marshall uh, at Misericordia and a TBA uh, time for the Mateo um, Mac. Also, the, I think the, they're all noon or one. But... Yeah, the the main Some site still has them as TBD, so we don't get don't want to give wrong information. So check your school's websites yeah. uh, for these. Ultimately, guys. Uh, also, uh, Johns Hopkins and Stevenson at one o'clock. Uh, so this is one where they did make the change in the Centennial Mac Bowl series, but when it comes to uh, actually, uh, in addition, Wilkes at Susquehanna uh, is yet another uh, one uh, at uh, noontime uh, that day. But Delaware Valley at Bridgewater is the game of games uh, in terms of an NCAA game. Both three seeds in the respective regions. This could be a very good game. And we'll see what happens here as DelVal has to hit the road to Bridgewater. Finally, we have the NJAC. And two uh, big games to talk about in the NCAA playoffs. SUNY Maritime at Salisbury and Framingham State at Wesley at noontime. One probably is going to be pretty ugly on the scoreboard. The other, I really think, will be close. We've said it twice now. Don't have to talk about it again. JB, I know you got to go in a second here, but your last thoughts before we close out Host Chat Week 11 and fully turn into playoff mode and bowl mode. Yeah, well, I think uh, you know, I think 2019 turned out to be a, a somewhat of a surprising, eye-opening season with a few teams that we never really um, you know, had on our radar before, like uh, Mass Dartmouth. Um, some teams like you know, WPI had uh, you know amazing seasons. Uh, Middlebury and the and the and NESCAC kind of came out of nowhere to win that Union for me. Going 10 and 0 was, was a big surprise. Um, we'll have more on hits and misses at some future date, but. Uh, I think, you know, the fact that the, the way the playoffs shook out, notwithstanding a few, you know, issues here and there, there's going to be, um, you know, some, some newer teams in the mix down the road, assuming things, you know, go as far as seedings go, but there could be some upsets. We've seen a lot of upsets this season, so it wouldn't surprise me if maybe not round one, usually not a lot of upsets. You might get maybe one or two tops. Uh, but later on, as the as these teams you know keep uh, moving towards Shenandoah, there's going to be some great games, and it'll be really fun to follow uh, to see who takes home the 2019 national title. Weather could be an influence uh, this weekend. Uh, we got about six or seven inches of snow here in upstate New York this morning, but it uh, looks like a, more rain in the New York City area on Saturday. Maybe a little bit of snow uh, in the surrounding areas. So travel safely and we'll see how it affects games. We will be paying attention to it. We're doing a bracket blitz show on d3football.com. More on that on Thursday. In the meantime, folks, regular season over. Thanks to all the teams that we won't be talking about much more throughout the season or through the postseason, but that have made our season special, uh, including Chad Shade and Springfield. Here's a clip from Chad Shade, actually, that everybody should see. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to start off by just thanking every every single person that's come across my life. Um, I wouldn't be here today without my family, uh, my friends, um, just role models like these coaches and these guys on this team. You know, we, I honestly think that in life you, you have defining moments. I don't think we're defined by a loss. This team overcome a lot of uh, a lot of adversity throughout this whole year, and 
no matter what, we still we still have all our brothers. Um, every single one of these guys is, is someone I can go to. They're an SC guy, and I think that's what this is all about. This team is about much more than this game. And obviously, this season didn't finish the way we wanted to, but I wouldn't want to do it with anybody else. That guy, yeah, that's a tearjerker right there for sure. Uh, from uh, all hard, he's really his career has been up and down. Um, he's overcome a lot of challenges, a lot of adversity. Uh, but you know, when we've talked to him, always tons of fun. Just a you know, great a great leader, a great person. You know, it, like I, like I said before, I didn't get to win either one of my final uh, games, and it, and it breaks your heart, especially you know, for a guy like him who's the the fact the leader of the team he's been with these guys through a lot of different ups and downs and um you know i just got to give him credit uh, just to he put himself out there he was vulnerable he you know that was about as real as it gets and for a young man to um handle himself in that situation and be as articulate as he was with the amount of emotion you got to give him a lot of credit he's he's going to do some great things in his life and career and we've uh, you know i already i already told springfield the class of 2020 is in our Hall of Fame. We, you know, th that'll go down as some of our favorites um, of all time, and it's part of the reason why we do this kind of program. It's it's really great to meet these players and their families, and and it just makes this uh, really worthwhile in the end. Nick Boehner, Jeremy Lipsky, uh, I got a hug from him, uh, shoulder pat first. Uh, I mean, uh, a lot of memories. Um, you know, obviously Jake Eglantine and uh, Jordan Wilcox uh, are from a couple of years ago. Special to us, uh, too, for our first uh, video season and one of my first on the roads and whatnot. But uh, Chad Shade and Nick yeah. Boehner, especially two characters. The Shake Weight uh, interview will never be forgotten, obviously. But uh, there, there are so many stories we could tell about different players that are graduating off. Remember, yeah. you're always home here on In the Huddle, so make sure you keep us up to date on what you're doing, guys. Before we get emotional, we'll see you guys on Thursday with our playoff preview.